Welcome back to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. This is another installment of my personal encounters with the spiritual realm. And this one, I'm going to step forward another about another year after the previous one that I posted, if that was the one about the grocery store parking lot. I don't necessarily have a specific uh, order that I sometimes post things in. It's sometimes just a matter of what I have time to edit. So this one would be about 2002. I am married, a brand newly married, I'm newly married at this time with the the young lady that I was in the grocery store parking lot with in 2001 who experienced for the first time with me what the ones who are dark inside are like. This So this is 2002. We're in New Orleans, you know, freshly married, a getaway weekend, just going to have fun, hang out. And I was... Uh, I was working on the road at the time, so I was I was I was actually living in Louisiana for a short a short spell, a few months, handful of months, and then I just worked all over the country. But my wife enjoyed going to New Orleans. I did not. So I had had some encounters in New Orleans that I did not like that town. I didn't like the uh, spiritual darkness of New Orleans. She grew up kind of in that in that uh, Louisiana culture, and so. But I went, and I mean, we're newly married, you know, it, this is, it's more about, for me, it's more about being able to go hang out with someone that I loved, you know, back then, and just to get away, you know, we're young, and things like that, so, but I had been there, and the spiritual darkness of that town rattled my spirit. Anyway, so we go there to spend the weekend, and it's a typical weekend, we strolled and we ate a lot, that's what people do in New Orleans, and we, 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 would, we hung out in the square a lot, and we listened to musicians there on Jackson Square, and that I enjoy. I really do like I like listening to the music down in Jackson Square, and I haven't been to New Orleans uh, since this encounter, and I won't again. I will never. I have washed the dust. I've shook the dust off my feet for that town. Um, but anyway, but but there, I I did enjoy listening. I always enjoyed listening to music of uh, kind of underappreciated musicians in that area. It's it's late afternoon, and we've eaten. Now we have str- we're strolling down to the river, you know, the Mississippi there, right there at the Delta. And, we're you know, we kind of get away from the whole uh, Bourbon Street, the kind of the, the congested area. And we stepped out to like a river park kind of a area, kind of an open space where it's mowed grass. It's nice, you know. It's, it's very close to right there next to all the hubbub that's going on in, in Nashville, or not Nashville, in New Orleans. So we walk over, and there's a bench by the river. So we go over this hill and go down toward the riverbank, and, and there's a nice bench sitting there. The grass is green. The, you know, the sun's, the day's getting later. It's not dark by any means. It's just late afternoon, early evening, kind of. And so the sun's pretty far west. And there's nobody around. So we have the place all to ourselves, which is really unusual. So it's, it's quiet, and, and we're just sitting there on the bench, and we're visiting. So we're sitting there, you know, new, we're freshly married, so there's a million things to talk about. Sitting on that bench, just enjoying a, a calm evening. And I could sense one of the ones who were dark inside, and it was it was approaching. And it was coming from behind us. The bench kind of, like we came over the hill to the bench, to like to the, toward the, kind of toward the, not the back of the bench. But anyway, the bench was between the hill and the river. So it was kind of like a river walk area, sort of like a big concrete sidewalk, a lot of grass, stuff like that. So anyway. So we're sitting on the bench, the hill is behind us, and we're looking at the river. And I could sense one of them coming, f- and it was coming from behind us. It was behind the hill still. And that, and so I warned, like, I just kind of stopped talking, and I'm like, you know, hey, 
just FYI, uh, one of the ones who are dark inside is inbound and like the, it iced the conversation. She got tense. I mean, immediately. And considering that the, you know, she had, it wasn't that much before this, that the grocery store, uh, encounter the parking lot in the grocery store while we were traveling, it showed her that this was real. Like this, there were, this was not imaginary. This was not some kind of schizophrenia. This was not something she saw it. Others have seen it too, but, but she got to experience it. So we just sat there silently. And, and again, it was probably just a minute, maybe not even that. It seemed like forever. It's like when it gets quiet and you can almost hear your own heart beating. Anyway, so she was tense. Uh, we just stayed seated and we just sat there and I just patiently waited. And it didn't make me scared. And so the man who, so then here comes this man over the, the hill toward us. And of all the encounters I've had in my life, this was the creepiest one I've ever seen. It's hard to say this stuff because people will just roll their eyes or they tend to just roll their eyes. I'll just be as transparent as possible. It had the form of a human body, but it was not a human. There was nothing about it that was human. It was walking fast. That's a trademark of theirs. It's walking very fast. But this human body was the most distorted body posture that I, had, I to this day, I've ever encountered in something. And so is it's if you can imagine this, it's a kind of a Creole looking guy, a smaller guy, maybe five, five, something like that, kind of a thin build. It's kind of warm out. So he's not like heavily clothed or anything like that, but he's carrying like a bag of something like a day pack or something like a, I don't even know, a satchel kind of thing. So he's walking fast over this hill because at this point I know when he's cresting the hill, I know when he's within visible, like when I can make eye contact with him. So I turned around on the bench and he's coming down this hill and his body is distorted and he's acting like as he's walking fast, like he's never used its arms or its legs before. Hard to describe. It's entirely unnatural. Like it was swinging its legs and its arms in a bizarre way. Like there was nothing human about the movement. And his head was cocking back and forth. Like like if you can, um, it looked like somebody having like this bizarre seizure that causes the flailing of arms and legs uh, and then like flinging the head back and forth while walking at full speed. Only this was not a person having a seizure. This was something. And, and so then to make it even uh, a little more crazy, he's talking absolute gibberish, like loud, like kind of like yelling it. And spit is every time he speaks like these this big volume of spit is flying out of his mouth and it's running down his chin. So he's walking down this hill toward us. It, it, I don't even know. I don't even know what to describe it as other than what I just did. It's hard to imagine unless you can actually see it. I can still see him walking down that hill or he wasn't even walking. I don't know what it was. It was like a broken mechanical device that somebody had never operated and it didn't operate correctly. And it only had full throttle and the rest of it was nothing but a giant spasm. Completely unpredictable. Um, so the man gets close, and he was filthy. Absolutely filthy. And so he comes full speed up to us, and I, I just told her, I said, sit still. And as he got close, within about five feet of us, he slams into something. He he collides with something. And, and again, it, it, I just imagined it being like the tip of an angel's sword. It's like he hit a wall, and he just stopped. Like he had to stop. 
he could not proceed any closer. And I wasn't scared by this. This It did not scare me. It did not make my heart rush. I knew what it was, and I knew that for whatever reason, it could not touch us. And whatever was standing next to us, which I really do kind of just attribute to an angel that is there, that's one that's not to be trifled with, especially some by, by some pissant from the underworld who's trying to obviously create and instill this great sense of fear and defeat. But it, even it, even in my, my teens, like I, my late teens, I understood the power of Jesus, and I knew that the underworld was subservient to it. So were the minions or the the devil himself. He does not run the world. He is subservient in power to Jesus. So it was. It, it's just standing there screaming at us, this indecipherable, indecipherable gibberish, just screaming, spits flying out of its mouth. And granted, we're still sitting on this bench. You know, we're freshly married. This is a great little getaway. So my wife is freaking out by now. She had grabbed my arm because she had, when we were talking, you know, she kind of had my her hand on my arm, like from behind. She'd kind of slipped her hand up on my arm. Well, as this guy got there and starts screaming, spits flying out, well, she's now squeezing it like she's hanging onto a rope for dear life. Like she's squeezing my arm so hard. And she's got like, now she's got like, she's turned more toward me and she's got both hands on my arm and she's squeezing it super hard. And then this one who's dark inside, the screaming, it, it went on for, I would guess, probably 10 seconds, which is a pretty long span of time in that kind of an, of an experience. And I'd had all I could take. I mean, probably 10 seconds into it, I, that was it. Like, I was out of patience for it. I'm done listening to this nonsense. I'm done dealing with the underworld. So I was preparing to stand up and commanded to leave us in the name of Jesus. And, and my wife she must have felt me, you know, like just before you stand up, you will tense your body up and like you're preparing to stand up. And she dug her fingernails into my arm. You know, she had both hands around my arm and she dug her fingernails into my arm a little bit. And she looked at me and she said, Justin, do not get up. She had a terrified look on her face. I just remained sitting, which was unusual because I'd never been afraid of him and I'd always just command him to leave. But anyway, but I was fed up and I, I just command, I just sat there and I commanded it to leave. That's it. And it turned around and it left exactly as it approached. You know, with that flailing, its arms, its legs, its yelling, its heads bobbing back and forth and spits flying out everywhere. Only now it's going back up over the hill the same way it came. And I looked at her and I asked her if she understood now why I don't like going to New Orleans. And she said, yes, now she understood. And I told her, I said, look, I will never come back to this city. And she said, I understand that now. New Orleans is, I would say, is tied for the spiritually darkest place I've ever been or, or ever lived or, or been. The other place is going to remain identified. And, and I'll get to that in the next episode. But that place and New Orleans are two places I will, I will never. They, I literally, like, in, figuratively, like the Bible said, I have, br- I have knocked the dust, brushed the dust off my feet. I will never go back to these places. So uh, I, I see no reason to. So anyway, I'll wrap this one up here, and I hope you have a good day. I'll catch you on the next one.